Artificial intelligence continues its march towards banking prominence and dominance in 2019. The question is, where? To find out how AI will turn into ROI, we'll talk with Daniel Ficella, founder and CEO of Emerge. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor at BAI. Come on in. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast. Fantastic to have you here with us. And today, Coming in from Boston, we have Daniel Fagella. Daniel is founder and CEO at Emerge, a market research company discovery platform focused exclusively on artificial intelligence and machine learning. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. AI was, of course, BAI's trend of the year in 2018. And throughout last year, we saw AI evolve significantly. Just wondering from your perch, what are some of the near-term implications of AI in banking? Yeah, we could talk about this from any direction. I mean, in terms of the workforce, in terms of what processes will be affected, I think we're going to continue to see sort of risk forecasting and a lot of fraud activity be sort of the low-hanging fruit where real money is deployed and people are hired in the years ahead. And so I think that probably what you guys get to see is a lot of stuff about chatbots and natural language processing, and and that stuff is not insignificant. But I think the money in terms of big sales to banks and in terms of big investment in the tech from the banking sector is going to continue to be in fraud and risk, sort of hitting them where the pain is. So near-term implications, that's what we see. You mentioned chatbots, which really is an area where the rubber hits the road for banks in regards to AI. Now, beyond this, what are AI projects where you see investment coming in from large U.S. banks? Yeah, well, just so you have an understanding, we actually have done a robust overview of sort of the totality of known use cases of AI within just shy of 30 banks globally, as well as a full landscape of the banking vendor application. So it's actually, it's not anecdote when I speak to you of sort of what the major trends are, really in terms of the stuff that you'll see banks talk about. So if you look at what banks will let people know about, conversational interface, customer service is gonna be a big deal. You could probably understand that if they have some really obscure anti-money laundering solution that they integrate, they may make less noise about it because it's not really sexy, exciting, or interesting for for their customers. You understand what I mean? Yep. Yep. So in terms of major areas, we can break this down however you want. Capability is one really important way to look at it. So in terms of capabilities, the areas where you'll see sort of the most innovation and the most investment, at least thus far, are in areas like risk forecasting and monitoring, or in areas like essentially anything related to data collection and analysis for customer data, for text data, financial data. There's a lot of work in the conversational interface space. There's not as much traction in terms of actual ROI, but there's a lot of investment there. And there's a good amount in terms of process automation, which we're really excited about to see sort of more and more in terms of banking. So on capabilities, that's where you see it. If you want to look at the business functions, like in other words, the departments of banks, whether it be retail banks, investment banks, you're going to see fraud and cybersecurity, risk management, compliance, financing and loans, customer service. Those are sort of the top five where if you look across sort of the global top 25 banks, what are the business functions that are actually throwing the money at this stuff? That's where it is. Okay. So we've got a rich landscape out there. Lots going on, lots of opportunity, lots of motion. Where do you see things as being the most exciting? 
there's a lot of reasons AI is exciting in banking, but there's also a lot of reasons that it's sort of slow moving. So I wish I could say it was a real water slide to see how quickly all this stuff is being adopted in banking, but it's not. But in terms of areas where I think sort of attention probably should be focused, we like to use capability as the first lens. So if we're looking out into any vertical, we say, what are the new things? What are the new actions that AI is enabling? And that's sort of our definition of an AI capability. And so risk forecasting and modeling is a really, really big deal there. And that has a lot to do with sort of fraud. So in terms of me for excitement, I tend to get excited about where money's being spent, where money's being saved, where money's being made. So I, I like things with economic impact, mostly because the people that buy our research sort of mostly focus on that. So they care mostly about those things. And so for me, the big stuff where I think there's a lot of excitement is around anti-money laundering, is around better lending, and is around just detecting fraud altogether, particularly like payment fraud and again, money laundering related fraud. But in terms of money, I think that that's sort of an area that matters in a very, very big way. Now, as organizations onboard their AI tools, roles obviously are changing. What roles do you look at as evolving or changing in the industry? And what does this mean for the workforce? This is one of those big pivotal questions. And although we could look at, let's say, an individual role, like somebody in lending who's sort of approving loans, for example, some kind of underwriting position, I think the broadest trend is that roughly speaking, anyone with a very low context job will have to, whether they want to or not, be pivoting more from um, sort of doing manual processes to sort of overseeing the technologies that enable those manual processes. So I'll give you an example. Again, we could talk about lending anecdotally. We could talk about any sort of boring back-end paperwork gobbledygook that happens in the finance world. Any role where it's more or less the same kind of inputs landing on someone's desk, then the same kind of outputs that they have to hand off to the next person's desk, a lot of those positions are not really going to be able to be sustainably manned by a human. If that sounds like your job and you're listening, then that would be sort of low-hanging fruit potentially on kind of the automation scale. And the broad shift is that repetitive work where, again, inputs and outputs are relatively the same in a white-collar context is going to be the stuff that gets sliced off. And the folks there that survive are probably going to do one of two things. We have a much deeper report on this. I actually did an entire TEDx talk on this. Roughly speaking, sort of two things will happen if those folks want to stay around. Number one, they'll learn to master the new technologies that are taking over that domain of the business. So this could be sort of a machine learning system that maybe makes better assessments around loans or sort of aggregates different types of data to sort of project loan risk in some way, shape, or form. So mastering the technology that's going to take over repetitive work would be one. And number two would be having more than one domain of focus. So if you have a role where you are simply dealing with paperwork type X, and that's all you do. Same kind of stuff lands on your desk, and then you hand it off to the same person sitting at your right you know, all day, every day, more or less. That's a lower hanging fruit scenario for being automated than if you have uh, multiple contexts in which you operate. In other words, let's say maybe you do work in lending, but maybe that also intersects with talking to the sales team. So you get a sense of sort of what kinds of loans are coming in and your role is sort of 
cross-disciplinary. In other words, you have to communicate what's happening in one department to another or use information from one department to make decisions in another. That very high context kind of decision-making is almost certainly not going to fall into the domain of machines within, let's say, the next five years or decade in financial services. So spreading ourselves across multiple contexts and really using the full human brain rather than hitting repetitive tasks or learning to master the machines that master the repetitive tasks. This is sort of the grand dynamic of workforce stuff that I think is going to be critical. Again, whole TED talk on this, but this is me going quick. Yeah, I wonder if in the TED talk you thought to cover the low-hanging fruit of replacing podcast hosts. Yeah, programmatically generated personalities, I think, within 15 years will be viable. I think you and me probably got another another solid 10 before we're out of a job. Okay, changing gears here. There are some easy-to-use AI tools to implement. Where can banks start, and what is it that they need to be aware of as they do? Yeah, I mean, this is really going to vary bank to bank. And to be honest, there's a frame that I very much do not like to enter, assuming people are interested in making money or using AI for fruitful use. And that frame is, how can you use AI? I think that's a very gruesome frame to approach. We have something here that we call toy applications. So I'll explain what I mean. So a toy application is something that a company, normally these are enterprises with a lot of money and maybe not that great of an idea of their own priorities, or a very complex team structure where decisions are made in really arbitrary, weird, gobbledygook ways. And people ask the question, what can we do with AI, as opposed to what's the best tool to deliver a return in this area? And so I really do like to focus on that latter decision-making process rather than the former. Even the vendor companies will tell you. So if you talk to folks like you know, AppZen or a Yazdi or any of the big vendors that sell into banking, the leads that come in and say, hey, we're really excited about using AI. What can we do? Like, that's a real roll your eyes type scenario for anybody that sells this stuff uh, because there's just absolutely nothing more kind of time wasty than that. So I don't like to start with where can we use AI, but we might say, and maybe this is a frame that's okay for you. I just want to make sure we're going in a track that works for you is what are technologies with a relatively relatively. Now, none of them are drop-dead simple, but relatively easier accessibility in terms of talent, in terms of data requirements that maybe banks could use more in the near term that we might expect to see some more near-term adoption. Our president and CEO, Debbie Bianucci, talks about the notion of AI being, for some, the shiny new toy. So I love that terminology when you talk about the toy application. It fits right in. And speaking of fitting right in, some fantastic observations you shared with us today. I certainly feel like I have a much better grip on the issue than I did when I started. Daniel, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, glad to be here. Daniel Fagella is founder and CEO at Emerge. He's based in Boston. You can look for Daniel on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, looking at the known use cases of close to 30 banks worldwide, conversation interface customer service is always front of mind, but so are expanded capabilities. Expect to see more AI movement in risk forecasting, monitoring data and analysis, as well as process automations. Number two, on the manual labor front, Anyone with a low-context job will pivot from manual processes to overseeing the technology that replaces them. 
Those who input and output information will see and experience a shift, yet master new technologies such as machine learning that work with loan paperwork, for example. And number three, in AI, beware of toy applications. Asking, what's the best tool to deliver a result must trump the general question of what can we do with AI? Frankly, it's a roll your eyes proposition that wastes time for banks and vendors. Instead, look at specific problems that specific solutions can address and tackle. Welcome to Decision Time, where our podcast guest walks us through a major decision they had to make, how they made it, and how it has impacted their career. Attention VC shoppers, how do you finance a new AI company? Or if you decide to take another path, how do you make the ninja leap from starting a martial arts academy to a successful e-commerce platform that fuels the ultimate dream? Here's how Daniel Fagella raised his own money via online sales success to bring his AI vision to life. Probably one of the biggest ones for me was deciding how I was going to fund Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. So it was, uh, this is six years ago now, I sort of paid my way through grad school by running a martial arts academy just because I never wanted to have a job. So ever since I was you know, 19, I just teaching people to fight was kind of like how I was paying the bills. But you get out of grad school and, you know, realize that kind of, influencing global policy around AI and really wanting to be a source of truth for governments and for big companies was the big game after I left kind of the cognitive sciences and got into computer science. And I had to decide, am I going to raise venture funding and give away part of the company and potentially hand the mission over to somebody else, the, the steering wheel? Or do I fund this with some other means? And the big life decision there was, let's take what I'm doing in the martial arts academy, let's turn that into an e-commerce business and get that up to you know a couple million bucks and sell it and then the whole time be doing eMERGE research on the side until I finally got that sale, had my own money, and didn't have to give away equity. And so making that call to go into e-commerce was life-defining six years ago, and that's how we landed where we are now. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. Our producer, as always, is James Grady. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.